Once upon a time, in a land not so very far away, stories were told of the brave and the bold. The whole court fell silent to hear what the great warrior Mulan might ask for. Of mighty deities and powerful immortals. Immediately, the shimmering skin started to grow before his eyes. Of fated love and love sanctified. In dawn's golden light, Niu Lang said, Marry me. Of great journeys across fantastical landscapes. So the cat and the mouse climbed on the dog's back, and the dog swam across the broad river. In the company of friends and enemies and unimagined beasts. Yeah. Good to see you. Of ordinary folk with tantalizing stories to tell. Heroes and heroines all. It's incredible. How did you do that? Tales of sad sacrifice and victories snatched from the jaws of defeat. Stories of the wise, the accomplished and the quick of mind. 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3 wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable, coming to you from Beijing. I'm He Yang. Good to have you join us for this special International Children's Day show. We have a special show for all the kids out there and grown-ups with a kid at heart. We discuss why do kids and adults love animation, what makes great animation for more generation than one, and short video platforms have rolled out specially curated content for kids, teens, and tweens. Can it lead to better use of these platforms and kids' time on the internet? For today's program, I'm joined by Yushun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line, first on today's show. The word animation often invokes memories of childhood cartoons and animated movies such as Calabash Brothers or Hulu Shungdi, Havoc in Heaven, Disney's Frozen, and the Japanese animation Dragon Ball. The fact is, in recent years, people of all ages have enjoyed watching drawings come to life. Animation brings to mind more lighthearted times, reminding adults of fun and youth. It transfers us to worlds where anything seems possible. Animation helps make the intangible more tangible. And we have some facts and figures to support that claim. Yushun, take it away. Right. According to a former survey launched by video website Bilibili and DT Taijing, which is part of news outlet Itai, among the surveyed audiences of Chinese animations in 2021, over 60% of those born in the 1990s would watch animation several times every week, and those born in the 2000s were more deeply attached to animation. 13% of them watch animation basically every day. 
and we can see animations never exclusively belong to children. Adults also have the rights to watch animations. Many people who used to watch animation in their childhood still keep the habit after they grow up. Yes, Josh, was animation a huge part of you as a kid growing up? And what about your friends back then? And and also now, like, is it something you've waved goodbye? Just too cool to do that anymore. <laughs> no, I to answer your first question, animation is definitely a big part of my childhood, and I think most children's childhoods in the United Kingdom, respectively, and I think also in many Western countries. I think that one of the main reasons for that is probably Disney, and、um, also. Other things afterwards, such as Pixar, obviously Toy Story, even to this day,、mm. still maintains its position as one of the the best films ever made. Actually, the original Toy Story, not even just the best animation. So, I think Pixar also did a lot to popularize that kind of animation,、um, CGI and stuff like that. But I think that、uh, you know a, a lot of people probably don't appreciate how old some of the really early. Disney films actually are, and still how popular they are today. Even though some of them were created back in the 1930s and stuff、Ooh. like this. So,、um, yeah, it, it's it's been a it was a big part of my childhood. I remember having them on VHS, sort of recorded from the television, and we pass them around and share them and things like this.、Um, and I, I particularly remember, sort of vividly as a kid, Fantasia. Have you ever seen that? The sort of really long, almost operatic. Disney thing. Anyway, I kind of remember that.、Um, I wasn't really allowed to watch too many cartoons when I was a kid, but yeah. And I think that in recent years, animation has picked up、um, a lot and gained popularity, of course, because of things like anime. And I think that there's a huge market now these days that are specifically tailored to an adult audience. Yes, and what do you think is it about animation that has? Garnered our imagination and hearts when we were kids, as well as you know, with development in recent years, have adults fallen for it as well? Yeah, you know, just like what Josh has said, we can just unstoppably talking about animations that we've watched in our childhood. If we're talking about it, right? The precious memory just come to our mind, and no matter how old you are, how many good things you have seen, there are always something from your childhood that is irreplaceable, and that can always give you a nostalgic feeling and bring you back to your old memories, right? And I think that is why these animations in our childhood are so precious and fascinating, and.、Um, Also, another thing is that as we grow older, our understanding of some of the scenes or plots will deepen or change accordingly. For example,、um, I saw an interview with a 31-year-old netizen said he always watched the American animation Tom and Jerry with、mm-hmm. his three-year-old son. When we were watching it, we would just think it is a humorous cartoon talking about the mouse fighting against the cat, right? But he said when he watched it. Again, he could get so many life philosophies from this cartoon, like how persistent Tom was when he was always defeated by his life. <laughs>、uh, Josh, have you watched that animation before? For a whole generation of Chinese kids, I think it was shown on TV back then. Was it the same in the UK? You know what we're talking about here? Yeah, I mean, I definitely know Tom and Jerry and all of the Looney Tunes characters. It was. Everywhere when we were kids, I even remember my first 
chess sets. I don't, I don't know how that sounds. I mean, but I, I was always encouraged to do things like play chess and not watch Looney Tunes. But I remember when I got my first chess set, when I was probably about six or seven, I had, had I even had a Looney Tunes chess set. So all of the characters on my chessboard were the Looney Tunes characters. And I remember that the knight on one side was, we had Bugs Bunny, we had ah. Tom and Jerry. I can't remember all of them, but it was just everywhere and it's just so encapsulating i think that there's just something about the humor of those early cartoons that somehow withstands the test of time unlike a lot of other humor in films i know that there's a lot of old films that i guess if you're really into movies you can appreciate things like charlie chaplin which i think that also mm. stands the test of time because slapstick comedy has always been funny but i think cartoons have somehow managed to remain funny for a very, very long time. And I think that's just because of the escapism. I think that's the biggest factor that really transcends generations and time is that animations, they really perform this service of escapism, right? That you can go into a different world, a completely different world where anything is possible. And I think that as humans, we're always looking for that somewhere. So are you saying that Tom and Jerry were merely characters or sort of like a subplot of the Looney Tunes? Because that's new to me. I wouldn't know, actually. Uh, I just remember... I'm not sure. Maybe I've, maybe I've got my <laughs> universes mixed up. It's maybe. quite possible. And I really apologize if I have. Have I? <laughs> I don't know. We should let our listeners tell us. I just remember yeah, that there's this female character in Bugs Bunny who's like kind of seductive. And she was like so attractive and and appealing and even as a little kid i was like i sensed something very grown up about it anyway she was one of my favorite characters and also just on a side note nowadays some parents aren't so happy with some of these older franchises for example they'd say there's too much violence there's too much smashing things around and, you know, having this Bugs Bunny-shaped hole in the mountain while he's trying to escape from somewhere or whatnot. And then do you think that some of these, like, today's worries are warranted in that sense? I think that it is warranted because I think that it's probably quite difficult for parents to see at a glance which cartoons are appropriate and which ones are not just because of how many there are and these days there is a lot of adult oriented content in animation there's a lot of animation that are in fact just for adults and the themes are very adult i mean there's not really an extreme adjective to to say that right but it's like very adult right 18 yeah. plus yeah there's a lot of animation that's like this so um, and they tackle really mature themes and issues so i think that it is a concern and i also hear you when you say something like tom and jerry which i think that i did get it wrong when i said that it was the same universe as bugs bunny but that is pretty violent right yeah um there's it's basically just all out violence for the whole episode killing each um, other yeah <laughs> is that harmless or not does that instill some sort of negative attitude i think personally i think that's part of a bigger conversation about how you talk about and introduce adult concepts like violence to children, because I think they do need to be introduced at some point. They need to be explained and talked about. I think that the overarching theme of Tom and Jerry arguably sometimes is that they're actually quite friendly and playful in some way, but maybe not. It's, it's a really good question. It's quite a philosophical one, actually. I'm not sure how I feel about it. 
But what I was thinking is that、um, parents are worrying about these kind of animations because they are still thinking animations are for kids. But actually, these are not for kids because animation is just a form of art, and the essence and the core of these animations is still the story or the plots, right? And so, of course, there are some PG thirteen kind of happy ending animations. But meanwhile, we can. Also have these、um, animations that is only for adults, and we should stop having that kind of bias or stereotype that animations are only for kids. Yes, animation is so appealing to、uh, people of all ages. Not only because you guys mentioned of the different kind of content targeting different age groups, and simply making animation. Is so much more flexible a medium than live action, and when you look at a lot of the entertainment products that come out from the pandemic era, well, people weren't allowed to get together and act on set. I suppose a lot of the productions were shut down, and therefore, what was the、uh, most cost-effective way of doing business for Hollywood? It was. Do animation, you know, you just need people in dark rooms separately doing their job, and then have an online meeting, and then put the stuff together. I apologize if I sound like I'm simplifying this whole thing. I'm sure、uh, for a lot of you working in the animation industry, you must、uh, have pride in what you do, and I, I totally respect that. But it's really interesting to see how the animation industry here in China, as well as around the world, have really pushed the Envelope and make animation such a broad and attractive and popular entertainment medium and means for people to find all these emotions and allegiance and comfort, almost home to some of our most fragile and vulnerable feelings. And therefore, I find animation to be something really special, and it's really. Great to see that it can break down these boundaries of ages. And some of the animations, the really good ones, made for kids, but possibly also keeping the adult audience in mind, make them true classics that people of all ages can enjoy. And one really good example that I'm just gonna name it now, but I'll hopefully go into a further. Analysis in the later part of the show because the music is also amazing, such as The Lion King, you know, all-time classic, which came out in 1994, and the storyline stems from Shakespeare's Hamlet. So there's there's quite the gravity that the story carries naturally, and also just the execution of. Everything that comes with it, including the music score, just makes it one of my, if not the all-time favorite. Yeah, but I, I want to say maybe you are. I mean, at the beginning of your speech, maybe you are too simplifying these,、uh, you know, procedures of making animations. Because、um, from what I know, is that some of the animations they actually get some action captured by real scenes, so that. It's not that easy if it's、uh, in the COVID nineteen pandemic era. So, just like Lion King, I assume they absolutely did so much research on how real lions move and how they actually growl or actually 
interact with each other. And、uh, if you would like to have a kind of realistic look animation, you need to have that kind of real 3D things. I think really what we're talking about here, I agree with both of the things that you guys have said. I think that we're talking about nostalgia. I think that all of this history, the long history of animation、um, and animated movies, they've. It means that we all have really fond memories, and I think the memories that we have around animation are usually really fond.、Um, they're usually that time in our childhood where we're allowed that escape for that moment. We're allowed to enjoy ourselves, and I think for many kids as well, it was do your homework and then you can watch cartoons, or it was something of that variety. Whether it was do your homework and then play video games, which is also animation as well. Yeah, and I think for many people, that nostalgia. Is really really strong as nostalgia always is. So I, I think that's a big part of it. And I guess that as the industry, as technology, I think that also it's gone hand in hand with the technological revolution and the amazing developments in computer graphics and animation graphics to the point where we have things like Love, Death, and Robots, where some of the animations in that TV series are almost—it's almost difficult to distinguish some of the faces from reality、yeah. at this point. And so I think that that as well. Has boosted this industry a lot. Yeah, and also maybe one of you have mentioned, or maybe I was just in a completely different world of my own. But a really good story, I still think, is so core to the success of any movie, also any animation movie. And、mm. also, I second the point that Joshi just made about oh, this is playing on nostalgia and. I think the word nostalgia is gonna come up more than once on today's show, because maybe we're not kids today, but we've all been kids, and our listeners must have this kind of feeling as well when we talk about some of the things that we deem precious、um, as we grow up. And there are those movies, animations, as such that. We watched when we were kids, and we'll love forever, all our lifetime. But there are also really good animation movies or products that have recently come into the market, and they're they're so good. And I think the the most striking thing is how real they look like, how imagination is spilled all over the screen, and how closely it can be connected to gaming. As well, so in that case, Yushun, share with us what's your favorite animation or cartoon. Yeah, my favorite animation would be the one called Jiuse Lu or Nine Colored Deer. It's produced by Shanghai Animation Film Studio, and it adopts the style of Dunhuang murals, showcasing the ancient Chinese Buddhist painting style. And it tells the story of these kind nine-colored deer who always help people in need. But one time, human betrayed her. Yeah. Finally, of course, the deer successfully encountered all the attack with her mighty power and left a message for this human: though life is precious, that's she'd like to save people, but vile and wicked lives will ultimately face punishment. So at that time, for a child, I first time realized that there are good people, of course, but I also saw how evil the humanity can be. And, and isn't that really a lot for a little kid to take in? Like now we have the benefit of hindsight, and we're like, "Whoa, this was the stuff that we were shown." And how did it impact you? 
that's what we've been talking about. Like when I was a child, oh, that's just a story telling people good and bad. But with the time flowing, you will just realize more from this story that、yeah. the essence of humanity. Yeah, and and yeah, and also when I rewatched this movie again before the show, I just saw so many elements from the Dunhuang murals, which. I had never noticed when I was a child.、Yeah. Um, there was a scene of depicting the fabulous Fei Tian, which are the flying deity depicted in the Dunhuang grottoes. So, just like we've said before, when you grow older, you can see and understand more from this story. And yes, by the way, the nine-colored deer is also the cover of our podcast called. Why we love Dunhuang.、Mm. So, if you want to know more stories about Dunhuang or the stories happened on the mural, you can go and check it out. Yeah, and also it's so amazing how voice products, sound products, could paint you a picture in your mind,、mm. almost like an animation. Right. Yeah, and and that's what you can get from listening to Why We Love Dunhuang and that whole series of uh. Why we love the Tang Dynasty and a whole bunch more. Yeah, just look it up on your podcast platform. And Josh, so tell me, what is your favorite animation from the days when you were little? I think that probably it was either Tom and Jerry, or it was Toy Story. And、uh-huh. I know that Toy Story seems like such an obvious one, but. I don't know if anybody's watched that again recently, but that it's a really good film.、Yeah. It's a really well-made film. It's really well written. It's got really great script and storyline to it, and there's a lot of themes going on that make it watchable again and again. And I think that probably if I had to pick something that stands out from my childhood,、um, and I still have nostalgia for today, it's probably the first Toy Story. Such an incredible movie.、Yeah. I, I assume you both have seen this, right? I have. Right. When I yeah. was in, yeah, I was yeah ki- a kid. Yeah.、Mm, yeah.、Um, I think that the themes that it touches on are really great. It's about kindness. It's about overcoming adversity. It's about friendship, and you sort of see real life in microcosm go on throughout the Toy Story storyline, right? Throughout the arc of the story. And I I wasn't saying this when I was a kid watching it, right?、Um, but but still, I think that that's really engaging. And I think as far as animations go, I think the message of Toy Story is pretty a pretty positive one, actually. So、yes. um, I think that's definitely the one that stands out the most. Okay, I have a, a few choices, but currently at this moment, my favorite is the first slam dunk movie, and I went to see it the second time last night because I want my My feelings to be raw and real as we're doing this show today, and、uh, what an incredible masterpiece! Let me just give you a little bit of the background of this franchise or slam dunk altogether. The original comic or manga sold more than 170 million copies worldwide. It is the seventh. Best-selling manga series in history.、Wow. So, Jing Shangxiongyan, the author, has so much at stake here because the readership is so wide, and also there have been at least two generations of kids or teenagers watching the anime series growing up. So, 
He hasn't touched this project for 20-something years, and now he's back at it again, and it was really nervous, I suppose, for hardcore fans to think about this. What if it doesn't work? And let me just tell you, it is amazing. If you are a fan, you're going to enjoy that the moments when you flip through the manga book, for me, it was more than a hundred times, and now those precious memories are now on the big screen. And for those who are not fans, it's totally great to go see the movie as well because there are two parallel plots. One is what invokes memories from the manga series, and the other is a completely new story that hit home so hard for me. It's a story about trauma and grief and loss and overcoming that. And also one of the favorite things I love about this animation, the manga series, all in all together, is the perception of bad kids. Out of the five main characters of Xiangbei basketball team, there's only one good student and he ain't friendly looking. And three other kids, they get into trouble all the time. And the most handsome one isn't afraid to get into a fight when antagonized and sleeps through classes. None of this sounds very encouraging for parents, so to speak. But the essence of the story, part of it is, well, you can't judge a book by its cover. And you can't judge kids by it's cover, so to speak. And these kids together, or these teenagers together, they find their passion. They're actually really good kids. And I think for any young person at the tender age of, you know, going to elementary school, it was such an important message. And there are a million ways to tickle our nostalgic nerve make good use or abuse of our childhood dreams of the millennial generation. The minute when I saw the news of the first slam dunk movie in 2022, I was like, take my money, no matter what, I'm ready for this. But thank you, Jing Shang Xiongyan, for not doing that, for being so thoughtful for all the characters in the story and taking such good care of our innocent and treasured memories and keeping it alive on the big screen. Coming up next, more on the International Children's Day beat. The strong wind was howling and whistling. He was the first Chinese citizen to graduate from Yale University in the mid-19th century. I was born on the 17th of November. She had prominent features. Three of us were old enough to lend a helping hand. He navigated between two vastly different cultures and moved further to realize his dream and promote understanding between the people of China and the United States. Ye Mingxing was a native of Hamyang. I realized no danger. China is really awakening. Come and join us in discovering the incredible journey of Yong Wang in his autobiography, My Life in China and America. Check out the Audible stories on radio.cgtn.com and all major podcast platforms. Just search for the podcast Books and Beyond and find My Life in China and America. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. 
You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Yu Shun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line. Coming up, short videos consume a lot of our time, and for audiences of all age groups, now platforms have curated content specifically for minors. What's behind building a special content pool for minors, and can it serve its purpose? And we share with you our favorite songs from childhood. It'll be a trip down memory lane with amazing music. Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcast. When you're there and you're so inclined, please give us a five star review. It will send us up the rankings and it will help other folks to find the show, which、um, we would really appreciate. And please keep sending us your comments, thoughts, and questions to ezfmroundtable at foxmail dot com. Your voice could be featured in the show in our heart to heart segment. Now on Roundtable, as we continue today's discussion, Douyin, leading short video platform in China, recently announced steps to enhance its so-called youth mode by creating a dedicated content pool for minors. Tech firms, the general public, as well as the authorities have recognized the importance of providing a safe and enriching environment for its underaged users. What's behind building a special content pool for minors? Well, give us the details on the story. Yeah, Douyin is taking measures to address the issue of minors excessively watching short videos. And on the May twenty fifth, the platform held a media open day for its youth mode, revealing that they will add ten thousand pieces of content to the youth mode every day, all of which undergo manual review. The platform also announced a special initiative to invite professional organizations and individuals to contribute to the content pool. And during this event, Douyin announced a collaboration with science popularization content creator organizations and individuals, including China Science and Technology Museum and the Institute of Physics of the Chinese Academy of Sciences, to launch a youth science popularization creation program. And as a result. Build up these content pool for the youth mode. Josh, the so-called youth mode on internet platforms is definitely not specifically Chinese. What do you see as how this youth mode should be conducted, and we do need it, right? How it should be conducted, I think that's quite difficult to say because I don't think that this has been implemented, and I don't think there's so many success stories yet. I guess that it's similar in some way to something called an intranet, which is something that's、uh, used in schools and things like this, whereby the things that are able to be accessed are limited, and that's usually done through things like vocabulary and、um, safe searches and stuff like this. But I think that it probably is necessary. Whether this is the right way to do it or not, I think that there's definitely a problem. I think that. Internet addiction in general is a, is a big issue, as we've discussed on this show, and、mm -hmm. I think that it's a serious problem for younger generations all over the world. One of the reasons being is that so many younger generations have been brought up with the internet, and it's just part and parcel of their psyche, the way they socialize, and us as well, adults as well. But I think that it's a big part of their life, and we know that it leads to serious health problems. Spending too much time on the internet. Can lead to a range of health problems. We know that it includes sleep deprivation, eye strain, 
poor posture, etc. Social isolation, this is a kind of debatable, actually, right? We discussed this on the show, whether or not this leads to more socializing, talking to people online or less of it. But one thing also is mental health. I think we can also agree that um, internet addiction of all kinds can lead to mental health problems. So there's definitely a problem. I don't know if this is the way to deal with it. I think that we've seen this in various forms before. I hope it can help though. Yeah. Also, when we're talking about the internet and people's activity on it, there's a whole bunch of things. And it's probably best if we can decipher and comb through some of them because social media is kind of different, maybe, as opposed to short video platforms. Because what you do on these short video platforms is basically, you know, watch these short videos once swipe at a time and then it automatically feeds you the next one and you can spend so much time on it whereas um social media maybe there are some hallmarks that are being shared here but uh it's more about connection with other people and people get so addicted to what other people say about them the likes the comments and a lot of it is so detrimental to the well-being of people and especially if you're a young person you don't know better and uh, it can be potentially a very dangerous place so if we're back to the content pool on short video platforms for some reason it doesn't seem like it's enough to really fundamentally do the things that the authorities, the company, and the parents would like them to do by the sound of it. What do you think? I think the thing is, it is a kind of a designated area that the platforms is making for kids. You know, they put content into this pool. But are these content the thing that kids want? I mean, of course, keep scrolling on the phone and watching short videos is bad for them, but maybe if the content is educational or is kind of helpful for their study, that could be helpful for them if they just spend appropriate time on it, right? Yeah, um, now there's a lot of talk about how can the internet be utilized in a way that is more conducive to the learning of young people and in this specific platform is that how can short video platforms be better used to disseminate knowledge for young people to get the important knowledge that they need when they're still at school and you know they need to memorize so much stuff they're still learning so much stuff Josh do you see that the short video platforms with these special content pools possibly can fulfill that purpose. I think that they could fulfill the purpose. I think if the content in these content pools are specifically there to aid education, to aid learning, then it makes a lot of sense, especially when students are at school and they are supposed to be focused. I think that most schools already stop students from using their mobile phones in class and things like this. I know that a lot of schools require the students to, for example, put their mobile phones at the front of the classroom. I know that when I was at school, we weren't, we had to have our phones off and in our bag. And if it was anywhere else, it would be confiscated. I think a lot of schools are strict in this way. Yeah. So in that regard, I guess it's not really an issue, but who's deciding on these content pools? I think that's the biggest question here. And I guess that it's a similar question to who decides what's being taught in our schools, which is an age old question, which will never be agreed upon. It's a really complex issue. 
And I think that it's kind of a similar question to that, right? It's like, who's educating our students? How are we deciding what is in our education system? What are we deciding on what's being taught in our history class, our maths class, our science class? What's more important than others? What content is inappropriate? Who decides all of this? I guess that it has to be a combination of parents, educators, government regulators, and, and whatever. And that's really complex. I don't know if we'll ever agree on this. I imagine that this content pool will be ever changing depending on how society changes. And of course, another thing is that a lot of parents are saying that, okay, there is a youth mode, then I will turn it on for my kids. But sometimes these kind of youth mode are just uh, mechanically limiting the content that they can see. So, um, and some of them are also saying youth mode used to be baby mode. Some youth mode content available on the platform is considered to be too childish by some parents. And they believe that the youth mode is equivalent to a kindergarten mode because that's just, you know, Ooh. something like baby songs. Counting and numbers. Yeah, they think that is kind of quite educational. So limited content can be quite rigid and lacking authority. And um, as Josh said, maybe the updated content need to be put into this content pool. And I think that's also they are trying to do maybe like they invited some of these professional organizations to give support and um, make some special programs to make the content more educational and with authority. That's interesting. That's actually, I think, going a step deeper into looking at how this so-called youth mode can be better used and better provided with content that can really reach the target audience. And when you look at kids, teens, and tweens, we're looking at a wide age span of, let's say, what a nine-year-old wants to see and find educational is vastly different as opposed to, let's say, a 15-year-old. So if you want to make the system better, then there needs to be more research. I think this is just extremely lacking in so many aspects of society. But there needs to be so much more attention that's given into what exactly are you feeding the specific age group of audience that we're talking about here. And a couple of weeks ago on the show, we discussed the topic how teenagers and sometimes even kids, they're very smart in circumventing the logins system of these um, so-called youth mode restrictions. It's like child's play to them to have these workarounds. So maybe it's about truly making content that is fun and educational. What these kids really want to see, really want to spend time with, and that might be able to get them there because just restricting them, saying that you can't come here, that actually might have the adverse effect on rebellious young people and really just want to go into the secret garden more than anything else. So it is tricky, but I think the idea isn't necessarily new. But how can you provide content in a safe manner to kids, teens, and tweens? Also, I think in this case, it's not only the responsibility of these sole 
platform, right? Um, we should find out the reasons why youth are addicted to short videos, and mm. we can see it according to Sun Hongyan, who is a researcher at the China Youth Research Center. She said it is not realistic to rely solely on enterprises to prevent internet addiction, and through multiple surveys. She found that underage individuals who exhibit excessive use of internet products often have several common characteristics. And I saw that first of all is that they start using the internet at a young age, and their parents rely on smartphones and computers as electronic babysitters, resulting in limited parental companionship. And I I think that is one of the biggest reasons that these kids or these Children are just spending so much time on their phone because you know that is just a quick trick that parents do. Okay, you are bored. Okay, you are crying. Just get my phone and watch short videos. That can get some time of silence, but that is also a sign of lacking of companionship.、Mm. I think that a lot of the responsibility here, given how difficult it is for parents and educators and any official to limit the amount of Internet that goes on around us and that we're exposed to is that we really have to put a big focus on parental responsibility、um, and also、uh, education in general, not just in schools but from the parents as well. I think it's really important that from an early age that children are taught about the dangers of internet addiction, the dangers of the internet, and that they're given the, the mental tools to tackle it and navigate this really complex issue that I don't think is going to get any simpler anytime soon. Yes, and by the sound of it, that's a toolkit that we all could use if it's available.、Yeah. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up next, we share with you our favorite songs from the good old days. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. It's the hour of roundtable with myself, Her Young. I have Yushun in the studio and Josh Cotterell on the line for this discussion. We all have fond memories from childhood. We all learned some great lessons from a plethora of childhood experiences, both the good and the bad ones. There are songs which forever timestamp when we felt our freest. Most adventurous, and perhaps how we first felt certain intense feelings that make us human. Everyone's childhood is precious, even though we will all eventually grow up and move on from it. And if you ever feel like making time to reflect on yours, and especially on International Children's Day, here are the best songs we've chosen from our childhood. You should. I know you went through a long list.、Right. What do you have for us? The first one is absolutely the one called 大风车 or you can translate into big pinwheel. Let's hear a little bit of this song then. And、um, this is the opening music of a program、uh, established by the CCTV China Central Television, and it was established on June the first, nineteen ninety-five, which means 
it's also the 28th anniversary of this program.、Oh. And、um, it said the program's mission is to respect children, support children, guide children, and bring joy to children. It has accompanied millions of children like me across China, <laughs> brought happiness to us. And、um, today, the big pinwheel program has not only become a great companion for the healthy growth of children, but also the most influential children's TV program in China. And I assume all Chinese kids can ring a bell when they listen to this music, because every time I listen to this, I will remember the way that I rushed to the couch in front of our TV <laughs> and sticked my eyes to the screen and start the journey with all of these hosts, Uncle Donghao,、oh. Sister Juping, and Jin Guizi. And yeah, that is just so much good old memories. Oh,、yeah. that's so lovely. I can imagine little Yushun rushing home and, you know, dumping his backpack aside and、uh, watching Da Feng Chuo. That's what so many of us did. And you have another pick for us as well. And yes, does it involve a kid that is not particularly into hygiene? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and uh, its nickname is Lata Da Wang or the Dirty Kin. So this is the opening tune to Dirty Kin. 小邋遢，真呀真邋遢，邋遢大王就是他，人家的小邋遢。小邋遢，真呀真邋遢，邋遢大王就是他，没人喜欢他。突然有一天， Oh, and his habits changed. Right, and that is how good the story is, right? Um. <laughs> And、uh, it is also a cartoon that will be played in Da Feng Chuo. The story is about this kid,、um, and we can call him a slovenly boy because he just not so care about his hygiene. And he stumbles into the underground mouse kingdom, and with the help of a little white mouse, escapes to the surface along with a dog and a cat, and finally realizes the importance of. Personal hygiene. Yeah, <laughs> that's the whole point of the show. <laughs> I think so. But for me, it was such a big reminder as a child, and helped me cultivate many good habits. You know, from these stories. First of all, is of course、um, take a shower. Yeah, and、um, <laughs> don't eat anything that looks dirty. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That is just so adorable. <laughs> Yeah, Josh. I suppose you grew up listening to very different songs to Xiao La Ta. Well, apparently so. <laughs> but hygiene issues, you know, all kids around the world should keep in check. I suppose. Yes, agreed. <laughs> sure. So, what do you have to share with us when it is a song, your favorite one from childhood? Well, I'd like to prelude this by saying that there's a reason that I've chosen this song because I think that it's a bit different and it might sound a bit strange, but that's okay, right? <laughs> of、um, course. When I was a kid, I wasn't really allowed to watch that many cartoons, but what I was allowed to do was read music magazines. And one music magazine, which is still quite a big publication to this day, although predominantly online, is Q Music Magazine, and it was absolutely massive at the end of the 1990s and early 2000s. When I was a little kid, if you can believe that, and every month they would—not every month, but they would often give a free CD、oh. in the magazine. This was a big deal because it was difficult to get music when、right. at that time. So、and、true, especially as a kid, you couldn't get it. You'd only be able to listen to maybe what was in your parents' 
arsenal of CDs, which who knows what's in there. And anyway, <laughs> I got this CD and it was a rock CD and it had various tracks on it. It was a compilation album. And this band was on this album and I bought I think I, I don't know how I acquired it, but I got the album, the first, the self-titled debut album released in 2002 by a band called Audio Slave. And it is quite a heavy rock song, although the start of this song is very melodic and it sounds quite dark. But I think honestly, this was one of the albums and this song in particular that really inspired me to start learning guitar and definitely start singing as well. The singer, Chris hold Cornell, on, who hold on. sadly passed oh away. Oh my yeah. God, yes, Chris Cornell. Yeah. Chester Bennington's really good friend and yeah, followed his footsteps just months after that. So let's hear the song first and then sure. Josh will tell us more of his story. Mm. So this song is called Shadow on the Sun by Audio Slave. heavy stuff josh what were you like 10 <laughs> i was younger than that when i when i was is this age this appropriate if i may ask <laughs> <laughs> i think it's pretty appropriate i i because it inspired me to start playing guitar every day yeah. for hours and hours and commit myself to it so it, it really inspired me and it's so nostalgic um to hear that song every time i hear it it really just takes me back so yeah, yeah. i guess that's it really that's yeah. my nostalgia yeah, funny that it was your childhood. It was more like my teenage years. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> what I have for you is totally age appropriate. The Lion King, my all-time favorite. And it was a seminal part of our childhood. Shout out to those of the millennial generation and possibly some of the members of Gen Z as well. What a masterpiece. It's more than just an epic film that made us cry and laugh and feel all the feels. It also has the best movie soundtrack of any movie ever, in my opinion, for this moment. And let's start with the opening track of the movie, The Circle of Life. Just try to imagine you're seeing the sweeping scope of the lion's kingdom, everything the light touches, and getting a lesson of the circle of life. I'll be eaten. Some say live and let live. But all I agree is to join the stampede. You should never take more than you give in the circle of life.
great song, and also the instrumental part of the soundtrack was pretty boss too. I mean, just what a masterpiece. That's all I can say. There's one instrumental segment from the soundtrack called "Under the Stars," which was played when, spoiler alert, Mufasa died. It was so profoundly sad. To me, as a kid, when I first saw that part, but as you grow up and you watch it again, I only just realized it was the first time that I was introduced to the idea, the concept of death and losing a loved one. And the movie handled it so well. Yeah, and kids get a lot of feeling from these. Uh, animation shows, music, as such. One of the memories that I would like to share with you here, and we have time for one last song on this International Children's Day. So here is a song by Chen Yixun called "Gu Yongzhe." So all elementary kids, standing O for. The Lonely Warrior by Eason Chan. I just like to share with you a couple of lines from the lyrics. Fight on, be strong, no matter where we go. No right or wrong, as long as we live on. Through the pain, we'll find our place within the light. Who says heroes have to stand within the light? For all of you, and that brings us to the end of today's roundtable. Thank you, Josh Cotterell and Yushun, for joining the discussion, sharing your songs and memories and lovely stories. I'm He Yang. Happy International Children's Day! We'll see you next time.